So how do you know if you're maximizing your potential in life? Well, the way you answer this question just might reveal it. Are you ready? Here we go. Do you believe you're capable of making a difference? That's it. Just one simple question. Yet it reveals whether you're resilient, persistent, optimistic, or frustrated, held back, and withdrawn. Hi, everybody. I'm Bill Schaefer with Mark Middleton, and this is Growing Bolder. And listen, we get it. Life is a struggle. Things can go bad and go bad quick. But we are here to remind you of what's out there for you if you get up off the ground and keep moving forward. Because the answer is always yes. You can make a difference, a profound one. You got me fired up, Mr. Schaefer. In the next hour, folks, uh, we're going to shine the light on some people who did have their doubts, people who had every reason to give up, to stop, to sit back. But because they chose to keep pushing forward, they're now making a difference, not only for their own life, but in the lives of others. One is Growing Boulder contributor Dr. James Smith, Jr. He's going to explain why sometimes all it takes is to not be afraid to ask the question. You'll meet the inspiring Marlon Hoffman, who had no idea where life might take him, until at the age of 68, he's become an up-and-coming rock star. But first, a man who used his voice to raise the voices of so many others who never dreamed they would ever have the opportunity. These are ordinary people living extraordinary lives. It's time for Growing Bolder. One of the greatest gifts that we all possess as we age is creativity. In fact, one of my favorite long-term studies that was published in the Journal of Aging and Health examined a variety of personality traits, and this study concluded that only creativity confers significant life-extending benefits. Of all the different personal traits you could have, creativity may be the most important. Uh, And the subjects who demonstrated above-average creativity enjoyed a significantly lower risk of Alzheimer's disease, and they actually had a 12% decrease in mortality over an 18-year period. The important thing to me, at least, is that creative people not only live longer, they live better. Their creativity helps them deal with the many challenges of aging. Art therapy programs that incorporate singing and dancing and music and writing and poetry and storytelling, you name it, they are now revolutionizing nursing care, home care, memory care, you know, all over the country. Because what they do is that they give the people who participate a sense of joy and well-being. They add something important to their lives as they continue to grow. And Joshua Vickery is a guy I've known for a while. He is a true ringmaster of creativity, if you will. Uh, He's a vocalist and an actor himself, but he's also a teacher, a producer, a musical director. He's an administrator, and he's a conductor. He's a guy that puts it all together uh, and benefits others uh, with what he's able to do. And, uh, And, you know, that's exactly what he did during his time in Central Florida. He's the guy who founded the Central Florida Community Arts Program. It's an organization that he led as executive director for 11 years. CFC Arts uh, continues to provide opportunities for creative engagement for thousands of residents of all ages. And I mean, from you know young kids to adults in their 90s, he helps them figure out how to enjoy their lives. Uh, he, it has made the Central Florida community incredibly and infinitely better because of what he's done here. And, 
I guess to nobody's surprise, his work caught the eye of a group called Encore Creativity, which is the nation's largest growing choral and arts organization for older adults, where he is now the chief executive officer based out of Annapolis, Maryland, which uh, I understand is where he is right now. So, Joshua, welcome to the program. Hi, Mark. It's so great to see you, and thank you for that beautiful introduction. I could not agree more with what you were saying about creativity. That was awesome. Well, you know, thank you for all, all you do. And I have to tell you, people still talk about you and you 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 build a great organization and you left it very, very strong. It continues to do amazing things. In fact, my wife has a friend who sings in in the chorale uh, right. that, that, that you put together. When she heard that we were going to be talking, you know, for our radio program, she got very, very excited and said, uh, you know, thank Joshua for all he did. So uh, people still talk about you. And I think the programs that you built will live here for a long, long time. So an incredible legacy for a young guy. Thank you. I appreciate you sharing that. You know, I think the pivotal moment in the life of Central Florida Community Arts is when we decided to really make our mission about accessibility and to really break down those barriers in the community for people of all ages and backgrounds to experience the power of the arts. And that was something very special and something very unique. So um, I'm grateful for that journey. And we do have a fabulous board and team continue that work there in Central Florida. You know, I want to talk about what you're doing now, but but since you brought that up about making it accessible, you know, one of the things that I really like about art programs of all sorts for older adults is, is that the good ones, you know, the, the ones that you've built and others focus on what remains and not what is lost. And I think that's really kind of a big thing for us as we get older. You know, we think, oh, my voice isn't as good as it used to be, or I really can't dance, so so why try? But when we focus on what remains, we still have the capacity to have the same amount of enjoyment that we did, you know, when we had everything going for us, don't mm-hmm. we? Yeah. What, what a great way to put that. You know, I think that's so beautiful when we think about the, the name of Encore, right? Encore means uh, this beautiful thing that happens after the performance. And so for so many of our older adults, they've had these amazing lives and careers and families. And now Encore Creativity is their Encore. They're getting to enjoy life in a whole different way. And they're not only getting to sing in chorales and, and sing in rocks groups and take classes, they're going, they're traveling the world singing. They're going to summer camps. Uh, they're going to retreats. You know, they're really enjoying the power of arts and music, but finding such great community and, and an encore in, in their lives. We all appreciate feedback. When you're involved in the space that, that both of us are in now, you, you get immediate feedback. People need a pep talk. People need encouragement. People need to know that more is possible. That's got to be a really uh, important and satisfying reward for you these days, Joshua, because I imagine you get it each and every day. Yeah, I do. Speaking of feedback, what's been beautiful is I've been spending the summer traveling and doing focus groups with our singers. I've been able to sit with over 300 of our singers in conversations and hearing from them about what's important about arts and aging, what's important specifically about this organization and where do we need to continue to do the great work that we do and what things might we be able to improve? You know, we want to make sure that this organization like CFC Arts is accessible to everyone. We want to make sure that every older adult in all the communities that we serve can participate in the arts, no matter their their race or their background or their socioeconomic spectrum or what neighborhood they live in. We want all older adults to experience the power of music and the arts. So how do you do that? How do you scale something that 
you know, was incredibly successful in, in Central Florida, which is a big and vibrant and diverse community. Uh, how do you take that concept and, and apply it to what you're doing now? How do you make Encore Creativity a, a national powerhouse? Well, part of it is, you know, just like with Steve Yards, we have to rely on partnerships and collaborations. I am a big believer that nothing great happens without relationships. And so that's one of my biggest focus for, focuses right now is to look at the communities that we're already serving and the communities that we want to serve. And really see what comes to hospitals and health foundations and insurance companies and other arts groups. Who can we partner with to help spread the word about Encore Creativity? So I think one of the things that I bring away from the work that I did in Central Florida was that we never tried to be an island island, and we never tried to do it alone. And so I, I hope that we can bring that here to Encore. We can really build bridges and create partnerships and collaborations so that we can create more opportunity. So you're a big time CEO now for a national and <laughs> important national organization. But, you know, I, I always say from the work that we do here, Joshua, that it's, uh, you know, it's the stories of the ordinary people. It's it's when we can see ourselves and others that we realize that, you know, well, that's maybe something that I could do as well. So uh, I know you you, you got to keep your feet on the ground as well, and you got to stay focused on the individuals that you're helping. What have you seen at that level? What, what impact does an organization like Encore creativity have on the individual lives of those you serve? It's making the lives of hundreds of older adults better, period. And I'm glad you asked that question, because the CEO is, if you're a good CEO, it's only a title, right? Like nobody loves, um, thrives off of board meetings and spreadsheets and financial projections (laughs) and fundraising. A, A good CEO thrives off being with their people. And I have spent this entire first 10 months being with our people. I was just at a summer camp for older adults, Mark, which was fabulous. And whether it was, you know, sitting with them at dinner or driving the golf cart around to shuttle them from one place to the other to to make it easier and just hearing their stories, getting to know them and hearing how much Encore means in their lives. You know, we have people who have lost their spouses or people who have gone through really serious health problems and Encore was their saving grace. I heard just yesterday a story of a woman who is a lung cancer survivor. And the reason she came to Encore, the reason why she got involved in singing was because her doctor told her the best way to exercise her lungs was to sing. Mm. And she looked at the whole group and said, Encore is literally my breath uh, and my life. And I, I, I just, you know, how do you, <laughs> how do you even uh, put that into words? How incredibly powerful that is. And so, the stories of our people that I serve is what really fuels me. It always has. You know, it's a great point. We can read all the research that that tells us, that proves, that confirms that what we talk about is actually true. But, you know, when we when we see these examples, we, we learn it for real ourselves. How has what you have been doing for the past couple of years, uh, Joshua, impacted you? How has it changed your perspective on aging? Are, are you less worried? Are you more worried? Are you excited about it? What do you think? Goodness, Mark, these questions are awesome because I was I feel like I'm, you're, you're listening in on conversations I've had over the last couple of days because I was just telling some of our, our, our team that, you know, I think as a 43-year-old man, you know, if I would have had the experiences that I'm having now as a teenager, as a college student, if I would have been able to sit side by side in a rehearsal or go to a summer camp, or just sit and listen about the stories of the lives of the people here at Encore. And if I 
could know the joy on their faces, the excitement about the stage of life that they're in, the joy of the successes they've experienced. I would not be afraid of, of aging. And I would look at the encore that's coming, that time of retirement and that season of life of, of rest. I would look at it in a whole different way. And, you know, we really want to share the stories of people here at Encore and how music has been kind of this weaving factor throughout their entire lives and what it's meant to them. But uh, I love that you asked that question because part of the reason we want to think about intergenerational programming is exactly that. We want to we want to kind of break down those those stigmatisms of ageism uh, through music and be able to share the stories uh, of our singers and so that people who are coming uh, towards that that stage of life, that it seems exciting and not scary. Uh, a personal question, if I may, and personal in the sense that I'd love to hear your take on this. Uh, you know, I, I have thought a lot about, you know, the research that shows the importance of creativity and why it's so advantageous to older adults. And, you know, as I've wondered uh, about it, it, it seems to me that that the reason it's so important is because at its core, creativity is really just problem solving. I, I think that any painter, any composer would tell you that uh, a, a blank canvas or a blank sheet of paper is, is really nothing more than a problem to be solved. Uh, and it's a problem that they enjoy, you know, doing that. Do you find that to be true as someone who is creative? Do, do, do you need to step back and just kind of orchestrate how things go? And is that why it's good for you? Yeah, and I think Yes. And, and creativity, you know, is so much more than, than arts. You know, a lot of times when people say, oh, I'm not creative, that's because they think they may not be able to sing or dance or, or draw. And creativity, like you said, is, is about problem solving. Creativity is about individuality. It's about uniqueness. It's about doing something different and special that no one else can do, right? No one else is going to sing just like you. No one else is going to lead that board meeting just like you. No one else is going to, you know, create a, a new way of doing things. And so creativity is really about exercising that brain, exercising your soul, exercising your heart and your mind. And so everyone experiences creativity, whether they know it or not. But when we exercise that creativity, when we're intentional about being creative, that's where we stay fresh. That's where we stay sharp. That's where our, you know, our heart uh, stays full. Uh, and so I, I see creativity all around me. Now that I look at it through that lens, and I don't say creativity is just about arts, creativity is about all these other things, um, then I think that helps me celebrate it in a different way. I love that because I, I believe that as well, that everybody is creative. I, I think it's, you know, part of the package. It comes with being a human being. So so creativity, folks, really could be nothing more than opening the refrigerator door and trying <laughs> to figure out what the heck you're going to make for right. dinner. Uh, you know, yeah, a lot of people. concoctions are creative, right? I mean, <laughs> exactly. Creative people are the creative creatives can take what is and turn it into to, to what might be it. And this uh -huh. is why it's important, folks, as you get older, because creative people, and again, we are all creative, are better at adapting to circumstances and dealing with the functional limitations that we all experience as we age. You know, they're better able to find solutions that allow them to move forward and not get trapped by the challenges of aging. And, you know, we see that, Joshua, in our business all the time. There are some people that encounter a setback and then they're on the couch for good. The example I always use among others, is Grandma Moses, who, you know, who loved to do this fine embroidery work until she was in her late 70s, and she got arthritis in her hands so bad that she couldn't do it. 
And rather than sitting on the couch and bemoaning the fact that she could no longer do the things she loved to do more than anything else, she realized that she could hold a paintbrush. And mm. it made no difference to her whether she was any good at it or not. And she was, you know, a naive painter, a folk artist, but she continued to paint until she was over 100 years old. And, mm. you know, the rest is history. Her heirs or her agent sold these paintings for a million dollars after she died. So, you know, we do. We all have creativity uh, in, in us. And it's got to be inspiring to see that every day, Joshua. It really is. And I think, you know, with especially with let's just talk about singing and choral music. You know, there are so many benefits to doing that, whether it's physically, you know, with breathing or standing or moving, whether it's mentally with, you know, learning to read the music and to follow the words and to listen to the conductor and do what they you know, what they've asked you to do from an expression standpoint, whether it's socially by just being a part of a community and doing something with others. There's so many benefits to that. And all of those benefits help keep our people creative. It helps keeps them uh, to be a creative person. It keeps them uh, being able to use their mind and their heart and their bodies. I have never been in a chorus in my life. And, and I'm guessing that, you know, as a younger man, had I been, I would have been kicked out immediately because I, you know, I, I can't I can't carry a tune. But I've learned from you, uh, you know, that it's never too late. But but Joshua, you make a good point, and let's make this our final point: the power of community, the importance of socialization. If we learned anything at all in the pandemic, especially when it comes to older adults, it is that social isolation can kill us, mm -hmm. literally. So, you know, kudos for what you're doing, because I'm sure you see that all the time. People that are kind of afraid to come, they're adverse to taking risks, they, they, they fear social embarrassment. Uh, and I know you make them feel welcome. And when they come, they come back to life. Uh, they, they are inspired and, and made better in so many ways because they're engaging with others. Absolutely. I mean, to see people come together and the music draws us all together, no matter what what our live stories are, it kind of brings us together and weaves all of our stories into into one together. But, uh, you know, I think the pandemic has highlighted the importance of social engagement, the importance of being a part of something bigger than ourselves. And, you know, our organization has looked at the word inclusivity in a whole different light because not only do we have to make sure that everyone is involved, whether, you know, how much money they have or what, if they have transportation or not, but also now do people feel comfortable coming out of their homes and engage in that? If not, then how do we bring this social component to their homes, to them? So creating online rehearsals and workshops and classes where older adults can engage and be with other people, it brightens their world. Uh, and so we have a big charge in that is to keep uh, older adults singing, uh, and engage in the arts, but also to keep them connected. Well, bless you for what you do, Joshua Vickery. I know people can go to your website, EncoreCreativity.org, to learn more about the organization. Uh, it's a great organization to support folks. Uh, if you are so inclined, you can find out about their programs. But Joshua, let me ask you this. Are there examples of some of the, the, the corrals? Can, can we actually be entertained when we go to the website as well? Absolutely. There's photos and videos and all sorts of fun things for people to check out. And we are now in 30 different communities, Mark. So if you're listening to this, check out and see if there's one near you. And if there's not, let us know if you want one near you and help us bring Encore Creativity to your community. Joshua Vickery, thanks so much uh, and bless you for all you do. Thanks, Mark. I appreciate it.
Coming up, it's not always easy to follow your dreams, but when that's the way you live your life, it sure can take you to some interesting places. Meet 68-year-old rock star Marlon Hoffman, next on Growing Boulder. Stay connected to Growing Boulder for daily doses of hope, inspiration, and possibility. Find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram for our latest stories and motivational pictures. Welcome back to Growing Boulder. We're about to meet a guy who made a choice early on that instead of fitting into a career that he didn't really like, he was going to follow his passion. Well, he ended up taking a pretty incredible journey. And just like all journeys, there were dark days, probably more than he ever expected. There were dead-end turns and there were painful lessons. But all in all, he's pretty proud of where he ended up and where it still appears he could be headed. Yes, in his 68 years on Earth, Marlon Hoffman's come a long way. These days, he's a Los Angeles-based musician, the leader of the Marlon Hoffman Band, but that's just the latest chapter in a whole list of experiences. I did have a background in the health services. In, in college, I worked suicide rescue, and I was backstage at all the rock concerts doing um, suicide rescue and, 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 you know, drug counseling in the 70s, you know. And um, I did that for four years. Then I worked at a hospital for uh, asthmatic children. We had a little 12 kids that were all critically ill with asthma. We were called Fonzie's Fan Club. I carried their their, their uh, adrenaline around. And then I worked in a cancer ward counseling cancer patients for a, a year and a half. So I had this background with a degree, uh, just a BA in psychology and almost a master's. But uh, So I took a lot of jobs like that over the years. And in Florida, where you're at, I was in Miami, and I was the admissions, co- all the while doing music and doing theater. All of, That was my passion in life, always doing music and being in bands and all that, but day jobs. So I was the admissions counselor at South Miami Hospital Treatment Center. And so um, that grew, and I ended up getting as a full counselor to, at, uh, at Cedar sinai And I was doing theater, and I was doing music at night. I was playing in a punk rock bar in Hialeah. So... I was very busy and uh, I had a lot of mentors, spiritual mentors and friends. And um, one day during the day when I was all suited up to be a counselor, I was introducing a mother to her daughter. They hadn't seen each other for a long time because of crack and drugs and whatever. Mrs. Johnson, this is your daughter. And right in the middle of my introduction, Bill, your buddy Marlon fell asleep. I just kind of like nodded out. I was so tired. (laughs) So I, I went to my, I went to my mentor. I said, he was, let's call him Joe the Mailman. And he's like a guru. And I went to Joe and I said, what do I do? And he said this, which reminded me completely of your intro. He said, Marlon, I've lived a long time and uh, had a lot of choices in life, but I've learned one thing. Good is the enemy of best. You can starve as a counselor or you can starve as an artist. Because <laughs> what's the best one for you? Make a choice. And I did. And a lot of stuff happened. You know, um, I got into a play, a Sam Shepard play, A Tooth of Crime. I played a rocker and I took that play all the way up the coast of Florence, uh, South Carolina, to a theater for three months and then to the Trocadero in the West Village in New York City. 
I got a Miami Vice. I had a little speaking role and a few other TV shows. And it's been uh, one long journey like that since then. I have taught. I have been a teacher. Sometimes I couldn't just make it as a musician. And so I, I, I taught. I taught theater and I taught uh, music and musical theater, all kinds of things. But the last 10 years is, has been a growing boulder. It has you know, been, we, it people has, always always say, Marlon, that like you're the sum of your experiences. And that's one of the things that makes you such a dynamic and, and really deep person. You, 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 as you said, you've had these incredible life experiences that most of us don't, because as we grow up, you know, people say, what do you want to be? What do you want to be? Meaning pick one thing. So here you are having a little taste in all these different directions. Did you feel lost because you didn't have the one overriding goal or the, the one overriding dream? Or is that what music always was for you? And what did that other stuff mean to you? That's a great question. I didn't feel lost because all of your appendages uh, creatively are your children. And I remember studying with um, the great master acting teacher, Lee Strasberg, and I was with him for a year and a half, and he let me run the stage at the actor's studio. And I was playing guitar, and I, I had an old 1927 uh, Epiphone, Epiphone, a good buddy of mine from St. Louis bought me. And uh, I said to Lee, I said, should I focus on acting and not do my music? And he got really mad. He loved getting mad with his little <laughs> voice. He could, he could poke that finger at you. He goes, no, that is your arm. That is your child. You play guitar and you never quit and you always sing. And he burned that into my soul. And I think the reason I'm taking off today and it's a, it's a miracle and wonderful and I'm so privileged to do so is because I, I, I've been sticking with the one, my music. And it's been all music now only for 10 years. And every day, you know, I'm in this studio with some of the greatest musicians in the world. I have my, my mentor and teacher comes at 8.30 in the morning. We work till 10. Another new friend of mine, I'll brag about him, Davey Johnstone, the guitar player from Elton John's band. He's, he just finished an album here. I don't want to let your early work go by. You know, when, when what you do is when you counsel people who are suicidal or who are struggling with addictions, a lot of people say, you know, a piece of you kind of goes with all of them. And you sort of forget yourself, you know, you kind of get lost in their problems. How, how did that affect you being able to see suffering on different levels and, and be part of people in probably the toughest struggles of their lives? I did pretty good in all of it. Working at the cancer ward was tough. After a year and a half of that, you lose everybody. And I had to stop that. But uh, I'm not afraid of holding someone's hand to the very end and being there for them, whether it's a game of chess we're going to play for six months or just a telephone call or visiting, you know, I, you know, I'm very interested in people's transitions and, and the love that you can have. So uh, you do have to have good boundaries for yourself. You have to be one before you can be two. So before you get into, you know, and, and codependency is a real thing. So, you know, um, you got to take care of yourself and feel strong enough. But I do believe your salvation is in service to others. In all my prayers now, whenever I want to manifest something, and I consider myself a manifester, it's always if it's of service to others. So, you know, the connection that we have, that's what it's all about, our connections. But you do have to have your boundaries because you can get lost, like you said. And that's part of growing up. 
You said something amazing there, Marlon. You have to be one before you can be two. I, I think that's fantastic. I, I've got to remember that. That's so important. Uh, so, And that reminds me of this, too, because I know you've been described as this transcendental journeyman. And, and I think what that means is that you've been knocked on your butt more than a time or two yourself. So when you're not looking out after others and you're living your own life and you run into stumbling blocks and struggles and uncertainty, people look at you now and they go, man, this guy's amazing. He's fantastic. But you can't really understand how good the good is with how low the bad was. How, how did how did things go for you? OK, <laughs> well, um, I was a sensitive kid, you know, uh, I, I took my parents' divorce very difficult, and at eight years old, I was hospitalized for three months with emotional. I took, I, I, I blamed myself for their divorce, and so, you know, that was tough. And then later, after the hippie years, you know, I, I did all the things a good hippie was supposed to do to help, you know. And I, and and I got to tell you something: my best friends today are veterans of the Vietnam War, and I do a lot of work with PTSD, and and these guys are my close, close buddies. But in the seventies, I was on the side of protest and, uh, and, and, and all the drugs and alcohol and all that stuff. And so it took me to a terrible bottom where I ended up, you know, divorced at 24 and, 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 and didn't see my son for a while and, uh, a good while. And, um, and I, I met some incredible people getting well, and it was a battle and, and, and not a battle. It was a surrender. It was a surrender, surrendering my pain and surrendering my, my difficulties and, uh, yeah, and I've been through, you know, I've been through a, a, a lot of stuff, you know, uh, poverty. You know, I lived in a in the Marlton Hotel when it was like a place where like Lenny Bruce almost died and Jack Kerouac wanted to die. But it's glamorous flop house, you know, at the, in the 70s. Now it's a luxury hotel, the Marlton. And I actually had a guitar made from the bones of it, the, the wood from inside it. You know, it's been renovated and, and I've been renovated. And and what a great thing, too, to to keep you grounded, because it helps remind you of when times were were not very good for you. And you probably wondered if you were in the right place and doing the right thing. Yeah, you're yeah. I think if you if you can get through, if you can get through to the healing part of life and the surrender, your pain will be your your palate for helping others. You know, probably the greatest uh, healing device would be empathy and understanding another. And so sharing your stories is part of the healing process. You know, Joseph Campbell, the, the yep. great power of myth. Yeah. He said that we learn consciously two different ways. We learn from telling stories and that could be going to a therapist, talking to your neighbor, going to a meeting, you know, writing a letter, writing a biography, going on the growing boulder show. Mm. So uh, and that's one, that's one way you raise your consciousness learning. And another way is, listening to the beat music and the dance. And he says that because that imitates the heart. And he believed that your consciousness can grow the same in either way, whether it's you're in the music and thing. And then, you, and then oh, if you're lucky enough to combine the two, a story within the music, then, then you got a double, you know, double whammy on that. You're really growing. You had another amazing statement. Your pain will be your palate. For helping others, it's a, it's a, it's another great uh, Marlon Hoffmanism. Uh, you, you know, despite the the struggles and the tough times, you also always seem to have good karma. Cool things 
happen to you out of the blue? You mentioned that right now you're working with longtime Elton John guitarist Davy Johnstone. How cool is that? And Bernard Fowler, if you don't know his name, for decades, for decades, he's been a backup singer with the Rolling Stones. And Denny Sywell, drummer from Paul McCartney and Wings. Yeah, these are friends. And, and Bernard is like, we're having, with all those guys, I'm having a, a bromance. I love them. We support each other. And and uh, they have projects going on. They're growing bolder and, and, and they support mine. And it's just been a real privilege. Folks, we're talking to Marlon Hoffman here, a musician in L.A., and it's incredible to hear the enthusiasm and the excitement coming from you. Is it you're 68 years old now? Yes. And, you know, the Beatles (laughs) defined old as being 64. The Who hoped they'd die before they'd get old. So so what are your thoughts on being this age? Well, I don't really believe in it anymore. Because all my heroes, like they died at 27, they had three years of this, and that was it. If you can make life more important than your material aspirations, if you can make getting along with your neighbors and your partners and your children and your parents and, and forgiving, you know, you get into this forgiveness and surrender sort of a life acceptance, you can just start enjoying, you can smell the roses. You could have a dog and take your dog for a walk. And you can provide a meal for people that need company. I mean, that's what it's all about. And then you add your music on top of that or painting or writing or service to others in one way or another or whatever your hobby is, your passion. And passion I describe as an activity that you're doing where you don't look at the clock. You're not looking at the watch. You just keep doing it and time goes by. That's what we all should be doing, our passions. And we're all put on earth with a little script in our heart and mind that has our passion. And we should always remember what those are and and treat those like children, your passion. So, you know, I I don't know. I saw Jerry Lee Lewis at a, at a, at a country Western festival out, out there in Indigo. He was like 90 something doing great balls of fire, you know, so I'm going to get more than three years and I'm having a good time looking forward to my tour. I'd like to do a sabbatical in Florence, Italy. I'd like you to be there filming it <laughs> you know with the band that wouldn't that be fun a, a songwriting and a lot of your you know your wife is a great artist mary and she's a great singer i'd love to perform with her so you know i have a, you know it's all it's wide open right now wide open your passion is an activity that you do without looking at the clock another another fantastic quote Talk to us a little bit about the power of creativity, what what it does for you to be able to write and perform and what creativity does for all of us. Well, I think it's a it's a necessity. And, and some people some people say to me, I couldn't sing, so I didn't sing or I was never an artist, so I didn't draw. I don't believe it. I believe all human beings that know how to eat food and know how to take care of themselves that were, are artistic and creative on some level. They were either not nurtured to do so are told that they couldn't do it or never, never, no one ever believed in them to do so or themselves that, you know, so here's why it gets to the law of thermodynamics, which says you can't create or destroy energy and energy moves to its least place of resistance. So energy is going to go somewhere. And if you look at it realistically, including your emotions, they're either going to be depressed because there's no avenue for them. Are they going to be expressed? And that's where health and growth and creativity come in the expression. So whether you're scribbling and doodling on a piece of paper, that's expression. 
you're writing your journal about your feelings, whether you're angry or you're in love, whatever those are, that's expression. So I think creativity is our salvation in some form or another, you know, plant it, you know, working in your garden, that's creative. Something else about creativity, the more we engage in it, the more, the more new things we try, the more we challenge ourselves, then the greater the benefits. You, you know, when we were growing up, it was pretty rare to find somebody pushing 70, you know, still gigging, touring, and still climbing. But now they're everywhere and doing amazing things. Any explanation for why you think that might be? I think we're moving into a time where because of science, you get to live longer. And because of health, you get to live longer and spirituality. And there's another level of doing and creativity and decision making for the, for the elders. And, and so I just think it's time the pendulum is swinging in that direction for, you know, compassion, love and wisdom coming down in that direction. You know, it's kind of an anti-ageism situation. So here I am, you know, I'm not 16 playing drums in a band doing who covers i'm 68 with an all original show and i want people to hear it you live in la the movie capital of the world what's the movie of your life about what's the moral of the marlon hoffman story what have you learned about yourself about people about dreams about reality about life that that you'd like to share with us for those that have a problem with this i apologize but for those that don't you'll know what i'm talking about that you're not alone there's a very loving higher power, God, who loves you very much. And the more quiet you get and the more, uh, the more rest you can give yourself to heal, then you can go out and explode and go forward with your, like I said, passion. And there's a reason you came here. Every one of us, we're not repeated. There's no repetition of any individual in the history of man. And every one of us, I want to say, comes down here for a reason. It might be just to love one person. It might be to paint one picture or, or, or tell one story, whatever it is. But do it and don't give up. Do not give up. Man, a powerful example and some great advice from a guy who had many reasons to give up but did not. And because he pushed forward today, at the age of 68, he is living his best life, making friends, making music, and inspiring others to push forward as well. That's the whole package, folks. You can find out more about him at MarlonHoffman.com. Great to catch up with Marlon Hoffman. Up next, there's something brand new in the running world, especially if you're 40 years old or older. Find out about the Growing Boulder division. This is Growing Boulder. Sign up for the Growing Boulder Insider Newsletter, delivered to your inbox every week. Be the first to see our latest interviews, stories, and tips for making each day count. Sign up today at growingboulder.com. Miss an episode of Growing Boulder Radio? Subscribe to our podcast and get it on your mobile device. Details at growingboulder.com slash podcasts. Our friends at Track Shack kicked off the 2022-23 Track Shack Running Series with the celebration of running 5K, and Growing Boulder was there to introduce 
the brand new Growing Boulder division powered by Florida Blue Medicare, which now includes every runner 40 and older. We had the pleasure of chatting with some of the finishers about what keeps them running no matter their age. Bridget, why are you so excited? Why do you have so much energy this morning? This is my first race. I'm very nervous, but I am growing bolder. It's another Track Shack Saturday, and thousands have come out not just to run, jog, walk, and roll. They've come to make an investment in their future. But this day is special because it took four and a half decades to get here. It was 45 years ago that Track Shack opened its doors and started a community-wide health and well-being movement with the Track Shack Running Series. And the man and woman who have made all of this possible, the founders of Track Shack are John and Betsy Hughes, and guys, congratulations. Well, thank you. Thank you so much, Mark. I'm excited. We have such a great team out here. Um, we're looking forward to the next 45 years. This has been a, such a fun morning already. We just so appreciate everybody out here. They're coming up and saying thank you. It's like, wow, we thank you. And we appreciate this great new Growing Boulder Division yes. with Florida Blue for 40 and over. After 45 years, there is a new wrinkle, no pun intended. All of the 40 and older divisions are now the Growing Boulder Division powered by Florida Blue Medicare. Our mission is to help people and communities achieve better health. And what better way to do it by being active and being outdoors in this beautiful city of Orlando. So we're really happy to be here. We're happy to partner up with Growing Boulder and, uh, and Track Shack. So let the celebration begin. The course for the Track Shack celebration of running 5K takes competitors behind the place it all began, a shrine that's well known to runners nationwide. Good morning, good morning, everyone. Welcome to the Track Shack Radio Hour. Track Shack events are unique in that they include everyone of every age and every ability and disability, from world-class athletes to pure beginners and everyone in between. Hey. A 5K is 3.1 miles, and whether your time is under 15 minutes or over an hour, Every finish line represents a victory, a reason to celebrate the benefits of an active lifestyle. What does it do for you? Oh, it gives me energy. It's like my caffeine in the morning. I love it. I just enjoy it. I do it every other day. So I've been doing it since I turned 40. This year I turned 68. It just makes me feel better every day. Every day of my life I feel better because I can run. I'm very grateful that I'm a part of like an inclusive community with Track Shack and them including me as an adaptive athlete. Well, I tell you, uh, it's been just part of completely redefining who I am after having suffered a, an acute aortic dissection and open heart surgery just over three years ago. I know how well I feel at my age. I'm not going to tell you how much that is, but it's a lot. But um, just to feel great. I mean, I feel great. Makes me feel really good and lets me eat what I want. <laughs> and how about for you? Keeps me moving now, so I'll keep moving later. Somebody asked me one time what my time was. I told them fun. I, I don't care how fast I go. <laughs> you meet so many wonderful people. 
friendships, and, and it becomes a family. That's what it is. It's a second family. It's a family you choose. I'm definitely growing bolder. I'm in the best shape of my life right now. I'm um, more fit than when I was at 20. So 51 is the new 20. Bolder, not older. I like that. <laughs> John and Betsy Hughes have blessed this community for the last 45 years by creating this intergenerational lifestyle movement. Uh, and we just wanted to have a small part of us. So now, all of the 40 and over age groups in the Track Shack Running Series are the Growing Boulder Division powered by Florida Blue Medicare. Here's to 45 more life-transforming years. We are excited about this initiative, folks, and we invite you to keep it right here as we bring you more stories on the Growing Boulder Division. We'll be highlighting some of the most inspiring people we meet along the way at the Track Shack running events all across Central Florida. Great stuff, Mark. You know, one of our content contributors at Growing Boulder is a person who has followed many paths in life, but none of them fulfilled him quite as much as when he is motivating and inspiring others. He's learned a lot along his journey, and he believes the only way to truly step out of our own comfort zone is when we allow our mission to supersede our fear. What's he talking about? Well, here's more from Dr. James Smith, Jr. Prior to starting my own business, I worked in corporate America for a number of years. And during one of my stops, I was charged with being in charge of the Diversity Council. That's right, the Diversity Council. But at that stage in my life, I didn't know a lot about diversity. So I decided to do my research. I looked in books, newspaper articles, and I went to a conference. While at the conference, the only sessions that I attended were diversity, equity, inclusion related. After day one, tired, fatigued, got on the shuttle to take us back to the hotel, sat down, saw one other woman in the shuttle. She appeared to be an Indian female because she had a dot right there. Well, I'm this new diversity guy, I made a beeline to her. I introduced myself, can I ask you a question? I'm heading up my diversity council and I'm on this quest to learn a lot about diversity. My name is Jim Smith. What does that mean? She laughed. <laughs> Guess what? I'm starting my diversity initiative council with my organization. And do I call you black or African-American? We spent a good hour in that shuttle going back and forth, back and forth, and we're still in contact today. Why? We weren't afraid to ask the question. When you think about relationships and harmony and coming together as one, your mission has to supersede your fear. You have to ask those questions. And no, don't forecast failure. Forecast positivity, building a relationship, and our country needs that now. We need some healing, we need some love, and we need some togetherness. How to do it? Number one, ask those questions. Number two, Make sure your mission supersedes your fear. And number three, do not forecast failure. Always forecast positivity. Go for it. There is no way we're ever going to change the narrative when it comes to aging unless we talk about what's on our minds. And I'll tell you what's on mine next. This is Growing Bolder. 
Subscribe to Growing Boulder Magazine, now with more information, articles, and photos than ever before. This quarterly publication is unlike any other, filled with the kind of inspiration you need to live your life to the fullest. More information at growingbolder.com slash subscribe. Miss an episode of Growing Boulder Radio? Subscribe to our podcast and get it on your mobile device. Details at growingbolder.com slash podcasts. My guards stood hard when abstract threats to noble, to neglect. Welcome back to Growing Boulder, one of the most unique programs you will hear anywhere because it's all about breaking the ageist stereotypes we've all been affected by and begin to understand what's possible for all of us as we get older. And as you know, we like to wrap up the program by turning things over to Growing Boulder's founder and CEO, Mark Middleton, just to see what's on his mind. Mark, what do you have for us? You know, what's on my mind today, uh, Bill, is a story that everybody can watch on GrowingBoulder.com right now. It's it's a story on the Joes, the jumpers over 80. Uh, We were in Skydive to Land recently. We watched a group of 80-year-olds from all over the country come to try to break the world freefall formation record when everybody in the formation is over 80. And, of course, you remember we did a story uh, on uh, the SOS, skydivers over 60 years ago. Uh, what, What really appeals to me about this is these are not guys who take a tandem jump to celebrate a milestone birthday. They're active skydivers. They jump out at 13,000 feet with their own canopy. They have continued to go. They've all been going for 60, 70 years, but they continued because they love the sport. When they started, there were round canopies. You couldn't control them. You landed hard. Most people gave up, but they kept going, and now there's a small group of them. But I tell you this, Bill, it's the passion that they get, the socialization that they get, the encouragement they get. These things, success, accomplishment, vitality, these are not age-related. They are not the exclusive domain of young people. Old people have them as well, Uh, and these skydivers, man, they had them in spades. But you know there are people out there, Mark, that say, 80, it's too old. If, If my parents were 80, would you let them jump out of a plane? What do you say to them? Uh, absolutely. Take a tandem jump. The, the, the problem is that these guys jump with their own parachute, and there's very few of them left. But I will tell you, there's already a group that's been formed that's called the Johns, Jumpers Over 90. I may have come, might have come up with a different name than the Johns, <laughs> uh, but uh, there will be a group of 90s. Mark my words, there's tons of skydivers in their 50s and 60s and 70s now, so it may take a couple of decades, but pretty soon there will be a freefall formation record in which everybody in the jump is over 100. That's going to be exciting. It's an incredible story. Check it out on Growing Boulder, and we'll see you again right here very, very soon. The Growing Boulder Radio Show is a production of Growing Boulder, LLC. All rights reserved. This program was recorded at Growing Boulder Studios in Orlando and is available as a weekly podcast on NPR One, iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, and TuneIn. It is written and produced by Jill Middleton, Mark Middleton, and Bill Schaefer. Technical director is Jason Morrow. Production manager is Michael Nannis. Chief audio engineer is Mac Dula. And our most important team member, you. Follow us on Facebook and Instagram to keep growing bolder every day. Crimson flames tied through my ears, flowing high and mighty trapped. Countless fire and flaming road, using ideas as my map. We'll meet on edges soon, said I.